So, you know, it's interesting. Um, Olivia Collins has uh, been leading our teachers' kids' camp this week, this last week, and then they've got three more. The ki- we, we partner with the Village's Charter School, and so a lot of the uh, te- teachers are still working. They have small children, so they come here for camp. And so we had about, I think we had about 65 children this week, which was just amazing. And so she asked me to do the devotion on Wednesday, and I said, sure. I went over and did the devotion with the children. And I noticed that they had prayer time and it was very powerful, and they all went to the altar and prayed. And um, Olivia had asked them, um, do you have any prayer requests? And I thought it was very interesting, because a lot of them prayed for, like, um, uh, sick people, and they prayed for, like, their mother and father, or, you know, their dog. You know, they prayed for a lot of things. Um, but I thought the, the number one prayer request that the children prayed for, this is rather intriguing. I never would have thought, they, they were praying for people who had already died. So there's some kind of connection that, that there is with the children that, that they want to make sure that they didn't remember the people. They didn't forget the people. They want to make sure they remember the people that had already died. And I thought that was a really profound, interesting thought from the children. And then, um, so then on Thursday, I, just, I said, Olivia, can I come back? Because we're doing the Lord's Prayer um, at church. And I said, can I just maybe take some time to teach some of the children? Because some of the children, I know some of them are churched, they're not churched. So um, I went back on Thursday and I worked on teaching the children the Lord's Prayer. So I'd say something and they would say something, I'd say something. And I, we responded and we went to the Lord. As a matter of fact, I think we got a picture. This, I asked if they would take a picture. And so there we all at the altar praying together. Um, we're all kneeling. Well, some of us were kneeling. There was a few wandering around. <laughs> but I thought you all would enjoy seeing that picture of the children at the altar, at your church, praying the Lord's Prayer. Yeah. So um, we finish up this sermon series, and um, and so let me once again rem- reminded you know we've done this journey for six weeks, and so I hope that you learned something new. I've learned a lot new uh, new uh, new new things about the Lord's Prayer, and and they're so powerful. They're not meant to be wrote. They're not meant to be just recited, but they really are meant to be prayed. And the early church reminded that the early Christians actually prayed this prayer three times a day. It was, a part of their, it was a part of their fabric of their life. It was part of the routine of life. And so this is the way it was meant to be. And so we find these words from, of course, it was in the, written in the Gospel, Luke. We only find it two places, one in Luke and one in Matthew. So we hear these words. This is Jesus preached on the Sermon on the Mount when he was teaching disciples how to pray. He says, pray then in this way, our Father in heaven, how would be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen. So, you know, last week we I talked a little bit about um, temptation. And so um, the, there's a couple of key words. The word temptation, as we learned in the ancient tradition, had to do with, um, it's really not so much about seduction, um, but we, you know, we find in the, in the original story in Genesis 3, there is this, uh, this crafty snake. Though the word crafty has to do with like manipulating someone or uh, coercing them, um, or in the word, um, I think it's even the word uh, justifying maybe what you're going to do. And so there's that word crafty there. So as the Genesis writer uh, actually um, weaves that word into it. 
crafty. It's interesting. Um, and so we, uh, we talked about temptation really in the original context had everything to do with not really has to do with being obedient to God and not falling to the temptation. And the title of my sermon last week is, um, you know, don't, or don't allow, I think it was something like, um, don't let temptation bite you or don't let temptation sting you. So it's a little ironic when you preach that sermon, and um, I just want you to know on Friday night I was fishing, and I was putting all my gear back in the car as I was about to leave, and guess what, stummy, a wasp, I just want you to know that, be careful what you preach. And um, my leg is actually swollen up today, but I want you to know, and take one for the team, I'm up here preaching, and so anyway, be careful what you preach, I just want you to know that. I did, I also was tempted to say a few choice words, but I didn't, I want you to know that too, okay. Um, so I, it was interesting, uh, the Lord's Prayer. I, I, you know, I, I've been getting several emails uh, over the last uh, few weeks, a little bit of in, in, insight, and I've had different people share different things. And so I, I got this one from one of my friends of our church, and she said, you know, um, she was describing last week's sermon. She said, hey, I have um, I really enjoyed your sermon series, Pastor Harold, and I've learned so much more this last go-around. She says, you know, some, so, for some silly reason, every time you start talking about trespassing and trespassing and evil, I think of the song, Tennessee Ernie Ford, 16 Tons. You load 16 tons, and what do you get? Another day older and deeper in debt. Say, Peter, don't you call me because I can't go. I owe my soul to the company store. And she's re- reflecting upon, she says, you know, it sound, this sounds kind of silly, but my great grandpa was a coal miner in eastern Kentucky. The company store would lure the miners to live in their, in their, in their camps and buy things on time. And in time, they realized that they were so deep in debt, they couldn't get out. She says, it's kind of like sinning. We are lured into bad behavior, etc. And before we know it, the evil one has our soul, and we just keep getting deeper, deeper, deeper. Anyway, thank you so much, and have a blessed week. And then I got another one. Actually, when I preached this sermon series on the Lord's Prayer, this one came in a couple years ago. I actually saved it. It's one of my friends in the church. She says, you know, I, I put together my own version of the Lord's Prayer, and here's how it goes, Harold. She says, our Father in heaven, how holy is your name. May your, your will be done, your kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Please give us today the food we need and forgive our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us away from our temptation and protect us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and glory for now and forever. Amen. And then he asks the question, will I be excommunicated for changing the Lord's Prayer? And then he, goes, and he says, thanks for keeping me. The Catholics already booted me out. And I thought that was actually pretty interesting. <laughs> So, um, so we think about, you know, the, you know the, the Lord's Prayer is so universal. It's so powerful. I, I think about, like, the conversations I've had with Pastor Ellen and, like, Pastor Marilyn, who do a lot of, and Pastor Jeff, who've done pastoral care. And so we have this beautiful ministry here, and it has to do with Alzheimer's or people who are struggling with dementia. And you know what's interesting? That people struggle with Alzheimer's or dementia they might not remember their name. They might not remember what they had for lunch. But if you start reciting the Lord's Prayer, they can remember every word. You start singing Amazing Grace, How Great Thou Art, they remember every word. There's something very powerful about this prayer. I, I was reading this last week, and I thought this, once again, the Lord's Prayer is universal, right? So back in World War I, 
they were, you know, the, the, the way that they would fought part of World War I, they dig these trenches. And, um, and so there was one time, evidently, the British were on one side and the Germans were on the other side and their trenches were so close that they could actually, at night, when there was like a ceasefire and there was no bombing going on or no fire, um, they could actually hear each other's conversations. And of course, the British people didn't understand exactly what the Germans were saying. The Germans didn't understand what the, the British were saying in English. But what evidently, it was written down that one night the, the Germans were praying the Lord's Prayer in the trenches. And the British didn't recognize, they didn't recognize the words, but they recognized it was the Lord's Prayer because of the rhythm of it. Wow. Oh. The Lord's Prayer, powerful. So um, I, I was thinking this week um, about the power of the Lord's Prayer. And, and I think it's really um, interesting when you put it in perspective and go back there. If you go back and look at your Bible, just a teaching moment, there is a, you get to the bottom of the page where this particular prayer is written in Matthew, there's a little asterisk. And the asterisk literally says in some ancient traditions, um, have this particular part of the prayer, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Can you say it with me? For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Okay, so what's interesting is that um, most scholars believe, um, because um, this was an add-on to the very end of the prayer. So the earliest, so in like in um, 1522, um, we have the King James Version that was written, um, and so, um, uh, actually, 1611, the King James Version, and 1522, um, the William Tisdale Version of the, of, the, of the Bible is written in English. It was the first time it was translated from Latin, actually from Greek to Hebrew to, and Latin, actually, to English language. And so this is, ends up in our Bible, this last little part. We have the Lord's Prayer, and then there's this addition What's very interesting is the earliest transcripts that we have of the Lord's Prayer did not include this last little line. And so we have to ourselves, why, was, why, why did the early Christians add this? So they believe that it was an add-on because it's a doxology. It's a, it's a, a doxology is a, a praise, an adoration for who God is. So they got to the end of the prayer and they realized that we wanted to sing, I have some kind of a doxology to point to who God really is. For thine is the kingdom and the power and glory forever and ever. Amen. Um, we also know that, um, so the original transcripts did, didn't have this part, but we believe that, um, that somehow around the end of the first century, probably around the time that J the Gospel of John was written, they added, the early Christians added, added this line, for thine is the power and the glory forever. And then by the end of the second century, they had the word, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. So it goes back to the, around the latter part of the first century and the second part, or the latter part of the second century, we had this added on doxology. Now you all know what a doxology is, and so we probably, you know, if you've been a part of the church, you know that a doxology is this shout of praise, a response of prayer, so um, praise God from whom all blessings flow, praise him all creatures here below, praise him above ye heavenly hosts, Praise him, Father, Son, and Holy 
Legos. Doxology. Praise. You know where the original doxology that goes back all the way back to the Old Testament? I didn't realize this. It goes back to First Chronicles where, guess who gave us the first doxology? David. He was bringing these gifts to the temple and he wanted to sing some kind of praise to God as he gave these gifts to God that were going to be adorned in the original temple. And this is what we find. Here's the original doxology. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom of Lord and you are exalted as head above all. You hear any of these words that are familiar? In David's doxology. So we find in David's doxology, we end up, the early Christians put part of these words in the doxology that we have at the very end of the Lord's Prayer. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So here's a couple of words I want to highlight for us to think about. The first word is the word for. And for is a really important word because for is the foundation of our faith and for is the foundation of prayer because for points, it's all goes, all points to God. Let me say that again. For is a reminder of us that it all points to God. For thine is the kingdom, for thine is the power, for thine is the glory forever and ever. It all points back to God. So this is why the early Christians wanted to make sure that we got this right as we read the prayer and you actually live this prayer as they prayed this prayer over and over and over again, but you get to the very end, they want to make sure as you reflected upon this prayer, it goes back to the doxology. And the doxology has everything to do with making sure that everybody understands it's all about God. That's powerful, isn't it? No wonder we hear the words, the greatest, probably the great, if there was one line that if you could ask just about anybody who maybe had no clue much about the, about the Bible, but if you say, if you want to summarize the New Testament, where would you go? John three sixteen. By the way, that's our next new sermon, next new sermon series. For God so loved the world. Did you get that? Don't miss the detail. It all goes back to God. So the question that we all have to ask ourselves: Say, which word will define your life, mine or thine? Now think about that. When we reflect upon this, we once uh, we we get caught up so often in our lives. This story, this this prayer, is really all not. It's that thine is the power, thine is the glory, thine. Um, and so there's this this power that we find in the Lord's prayer. So it's not about me, it's not about you, it's about the power and the glory and the kingdom of God. And, uh, you know, there's a, a a great rock and roll song. Um, it was written by Queen several years ago, and this is how it goes. I want it all, and I want it now. Now, that's a great rock and roll song, but it's very narcissistic, and it has nothing to do with good theology, right? But so often in our lives, isn't that part of maybe so often we get down this road, I want it all, and I want it now? So what are the words that are ultimately going to define our lives? Me? My? Are thee and thine. Thine is for, thine is the kingdom, thine is the power, thine is the glory forever. Amen. How are we going to live our lives? Jesus reminds us, the disciples said, hey, teach us how to pray. Jesus says, this is how you pray. This is how you live. Sometimes we have to realize it's not about you. Uh, you know, uh, about a month ago, it was my daughter's birthday. 
So we went down to visit her, and we, uh, we asked, Olivia, where do you want to go to dinner? So she says, I want to go to the Cheesecake Factory, Dad. And I said, okay, we'll take you to the Cheesecake Factory. By the way, Cheesecake Factory is not cheap. I just want you to know that. And so we went there, and, um, and so, of course, I'm taking like 12 people. And so it's Friday night, and... Um, but this is where she wanted to go. And so we went to the cheese factory. So it's Friday night. And guess what happens at the Cheesecake Factory? They don't take reservations. They don't do it. So we, had to, we went to the Cheesecake Factory. And so there were, I mean, there were people everywhere. This is in Boca Raton, Florida. I knew it was going to be a train wreck. And, I, and so they went in they, and they, we said, we would like to have a table for 12. And they looked at us like we had two heads. Like, what? Really? And, they, and, they, and then they go, well, how long are you going to have to wait? Well, two and a half hours. And I like, Oh my gosh, two and a half hours, really? So um, I didn't say anything. You know why? Because it's not about me. <laughs> and so we all sat down, Marley's running around, we all sitting out there waiting, you know, just waiting and waiting and waiting. And, and so, um, so about a half an hour in, I gently went over to Olivia and I said, Olivia, you know, do you think there might be another place that you might want to go and check out? Maybe we can find something online, something a little closer or something. And she said, no. <laughs> she was not coming off the Cheesecake Factory. She was all in. So as it turned out, it didn't take two and a half hours. It only took like an hour and 15 minutes, but who's counting? But anyway, <laughs> but it just reminds us, right? It's just a simple story. So often we want to make it about us. For thine is the, for thine is the kingdom. You know what's interesting? The word kingdom there, it's a very powerful phrase, isn't it? And we have to decide. I, I like Will Wilman's um, words on this. He talks about that when, you know, all of a sudden Jesus kind of almost gets a little political here, doesn't he? Because we have to decide which, which kingdom are we allegiant to. You know, uh, we pledge our allegiance to what kingdom? There's the kingdom of goodness and there's a kingdom of evilness. And we see that played out every day, right? I think it's very, very powerful. I, I love, um, the other day, Cameron and I, my youngest son, we, were, we have these deep theological conversations and he is rather intrigued with that phrase where um, they were talking to Jesus about paying taxes and and Jesus says, uh, they ask him, is it lawful to give, pay Caesar taxes? And then Jesus says, in typical Jesus form, well, give me, a, give me a coin. And they hand him a coin. Whose inscription's on the coin? Caesar. Well, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God what belongs to God. Genius. I mean, you can't get anything past Jesus, right? It's almost like when they're about to get ready to, you know, crucify Jesus and and they have Barabbas. They said, well, you know, which criminal do you want to let, let go? Barabbas, you want, he was a dirty, rotten scoundrel who was a thief, who was a murderer, or you want Jesus? And then the, they yelled out, we want, well, set Barabbas free, kill Jesus. And then there's this line in, that, in the Bible about when the, the, the Pharisees and the people were all worked up, we have no other king other than Caesar. So which kingdom are we allegiant to? For thine is the kingdom and the power. You know, the word power there in the Greek is the word dynamis, which we get the word dynamite. Okay, so when we think about the power that's behind Almighty God, um, 
reminded that everything that we have in life, the gift of life, everything that we have, the clothes in our backs, the food in our bellies, this church that God's given us, God is for, it all belongs to God. It's a, it's a, for thine is the kingdom and the, and the power. Um, you know, it's very powerful. What's interesting to me is, is that I think that, you know, God has, he has this incredible power to create the universe, but he also has empowered us to be his hands, feet, and voice, as I share with you already today in this message. And, and I think, you know, there's power. Let me tell you where there's power. There's power in giving a homeless person shoes. There's power in feeding people who are hungry. There's power in clothing people. There is power in going to visit people into prison. There is power in these little prayer quilts. There's power. So when you think of thine is the kingdom and the power, we have a chance to be a part of living in to be Jesus Christ's hands and his feet and his voice. There's power in that. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. And so, you know what, we think about glory, I love the word glory there in the Greek literally means majesty, um, splendor. So every time I see a sunset, I think I got a picture of a sunset I took over Utah a couple of years ago. I, you know what, I love that picture. Um, every time I see the sunrise and the sunset, God gets the glory, right? Every time I wake up this morning when I heard, and I heard the birds chirping, God gets the glory. Yesterday, um, I got, woke up and I went to the refrigerator. I opened up the refrigerator and uh, Don had got some fresh fruit. And so I, I reached in there and I started eating some of the fresh fruit that we got from Publix. And I, I got to a, a piece of the honeydew melon. And it, man, it just melted in my mouth. And I said, this is the sweetest honeydew melon I've ever eaten in my entire life. God gets the glory. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory Forever. Forever. Literally, in the Greek there, it's actually three different words, and it means into beyond, or um, to the eons, or in the words of that great theologian, Buzz Lightyear, you put a picture of Buzz Lightyear up, into infinity and beyond, right? So, forever and beyond. And the words of my dear friend, Don Piper, you know, there's this, this idea the kingdom of God is here, but it's also there, it's here and it's, it's the future. It's Ascension Sunday, isn't it? So we think about the idea, I, my, my friend Don Piper says, and he committed his whole, he's committed his whole life, as he puts it, I, I, I want to help us get people who are here to get them there, and I've been there, and I've come back, and I've committed my life to help people get people from here to there. I like that. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and to be on. And the word amen. Um, the word amen there is so be it. So be it with me. So be it with you. That's what the little transmission. It's a, the word amen is actually like a prayer within a prayer. You get to the very end. And what's very interesting is the word amen is really not does, it's not intended to be the end. It's actually, when you look at it from a theological standpoint, it has to do with a, new, new, a brand new beginning. This is the end of the prayer, but it also, once again, we, the early Christians prayed it, prayed it over and over and over again, three times a day. 
So when we pray it over and over again, it's, we pray it, we get to the end, but then it really points to a brand new beginning because we continue to come and worship Jesus Christ. And we come and worship Jesus Christ every single Sunday morning. Once again, I remind you, this is a mini Easter. And we celebrate a mini Easter. It has to do with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And because of that, we have hope and we have mercy. And it means it never ends because we have everlasting life with him. Come amen on that. And so last little thought, you know what I love about this? And I asked my, my, my friend, Jeff Amelia, who's a part of our staff, he says, Harold, when you preach this sermon, when you get to the amen, do you realize that there's something about the amen? And I said, well, yeah, I do. I know a little bit about it. And so he sent me some information. I never had thought about this. I'll close with this. So when Mary is called by the angel to give birth to Jesus, I think it's really interesting because the words there, amen, means so be it. So be it with me. So be it with you. So when Mary's called to give birth to the Christ child, the savior of the world, this is what she says. Then Mary said, here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. So we've been on this journey together for the last six weeks about the Lord's Prayer. And so what I'm asking you all is, and we all have to answer this honestly, are we really truly living in to the vision that Christ has given to us when he decided to teach his disciples that one day? Lord, teach us how to pray. And Jesus says, sure, I'll teach you how to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil or the evil one. And the early church added these words, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And we all have to answer to that. How are we gonna live into these words day in and day out? And that's between you and the Lord.